Hey, thanks for finding Organic Matters. Each week I am, so far, I'm going to tell you each week if I gain or lose. Gained a few, not as many as I've been going on, but so much has been going on with the uh, extreme weather. I live in the central part, almost central South Texas, and it's been a real mess. Anyway, thanks for finding me. We're going to talk about a few different things today, which I always do. One that really is is in my heart, and I've talked about it for over 20 years, is are the at-risk species. What are at risk? These are animals of which there's a bunch right here in the area of the country I live in that are on the edge of going into what we call the Red Book or some are even on the true edge of extinction. Well, fortunately, um, this past week or two, there's been some money put aside, I guess that would be, to help take care of these animals. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. So you can kind of understand how this works. I'm going to talk in particular about Bear County, Texas. That's the county that San Antonio is in, in the, in the surrounding area. It's kind of that little corner of the world. In that county, over 124 species are endangered, threatened, or at risk of joining one of those two lists. Future generations might never see Texas blind salamanders, uh, government canyon bat cave spiders, let me name some you're not even going to believe, ivy's cave millipedes, green, golden cheek warblers everybody's talked about, hooping cranes come through here, Guadalupe bass, Texas shiners, I could go on, bumblebees, an American bumblebee, free-tailed bats, there's even a little... Especially, I mean, I've only seen once myself, called swamp rabbits. They're like a little tiny form of our regular rabbits. And, of course, the Texas horn lizard, as well as the Texas berlanders or Texas desert tortoise. And that's only talking about one county of 254 in the state of Texas. One county. Let me put that in perspective a little bit. The state of Texas has 1,300 1,300 now, at-risk species. Nationwide, we're over 12,000 species right now that are on the edge of going on the Red Book or becoming extinct. One reason Texas has such a high number of these species of greatest conservation need, or the old way used to be, say, species of the greatest concern, is the state's, of course, a huge state with a, a... Almost every kind of imaginable habitat that you could have in any one state. To me, these are troubling numbers. But a bill that's battling its way through Congress offers some real hope. If it can survive, I call it toxic partisanship, I got that quote from the newspaper. The Recovering America's Wildlife Act would provide $1.3 billion dollars to states, and about $98 million to tribal nations to fund wildlife conservation only. It, it will help aid outdoor recreation, and of course, we'll also build education programs so we can teach the next generation how to take care of the problem. The bill would address those at-risk species and get the population stabilized so they don't become endangered. At the top of the list, of course, and we've been doing this with some species, it's, it's expensive to recover an endangered species. There are lots of impacts that private citizens, businesses, and so on have to deal with. 
In other words, in plain English, while protecting threatened species is a worthwhile on its own merits, as far as I'm concerned, it's also good for businesses that want regulatory certainty and see proactive conservation efforts as far less expensive than reactive interventions when it's getting to be too late. And it's great for the eco-commerce and especially for the sporting side of life for the people that want to be out in nature. Top of the list, folks, are, of course, bird watchers and hunters. We know, for instance, some species that become endangered are often not able to even be saved, no matter what protections we put in line. So that's why it's critical that we act early. As a reference, the state of Texas alone will be eligible for more than $50 million of that money each year now. 50 year, fifty million a year adds up over time. And interestingly, under the program, agencies, nonprofit organizations, land trust, landowners themselves, researchers, anybody who's working with a species of greatest concern can apply for some of these funds. Their upfront is, they have to be serious, their upfront is they have to bring about 25% of their own money to match whatever amounts of money that, that they come and ask for. Called the most significant investment in wildlife conservation in generations, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act would create a dedicated funding streamed to support efforts to protect the country's natural heritage. In this part of the country, for instance, that could mean a federal funding match for, in our case, aquifer protection easements, among other things. It is really an amazing opportunity to fix some of the ills that we've been plagued with for some at least 80 years. And it could carry us into an era of healthy ecosystems, clean water, and, of course, clean air to come with it. And though it sounds like a lot, it will cost the nation's budget about $12.7 billion. Now, even though it sounds steep, compare that over a 10-year period to such figures as, for instance, federal expenses just for the defense budgets over $780 billion. $1.1 trillion goes to Social Security. And about $50 billions invested in just international affairs in general. Last year, the federal government spent $42 billion on natural resources and environment. Tons of money to those of us that can't think the way the world turns these days. Folks, that's less than 1%. 1% of our entire national budget. Just 1% would do all these good things and in the big picture actually cost us less per citizen that, that pays their taxes or whatever than it's costing us right now. It's just that we're not used to looking, I'm not used to looking at numbers with so many zeros behind them. In reality, making a larger annual investment in wildlife programs and preservation will save us from even larger costs, both fiscal and lost species down the road. But when the bill passed in the House of Representatives... Here we go again. You can't even talk about wildlife without talking politics. Votes fell almost exactly along party lines. Only one Texas Republican rep had the guts to vote for it. It's a guy named Michael McCall out of Austin. As far as 
Republicans. But the Senate version looks like it'll truly be looked at in a bipartisan Fortunately for most of us, both parties are really concerned about the disappearance of wildlife. So for whatever the reason, those animals are in decline or imperiled, and both sides want it to be fixed. Funding for the bill is still under negotiation in the Senate, but there is an agreement. It will come from existing revenues and kind of by tying up loophole closures. Texas Senators John Cornyn and Ted Cruz should support the bill to help safeguard this precious world for future generations. If you can know how to contact those two individuals, please do it. Let them know this is really very important. Sorry I don't have the name in front of me, but I want to thank whoever sent me this particular uh, information. Part of it from a newspaper, I think, and part from somewhere else. That's okay. I do run a non-profit show here, so I don't make a penny at any of this. So, But I do love to let the world outside know what's going on and as often as I can find facts that I can really track so that I can believe them. And trying to stick with what I call the Save the Earth portion of my show, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a thing called solar windows that I think is very promising. To me, solar windows are really an attractive idea. It's very appealing to have the vertical surfaces of the outside of almost any building that you could build now generate electricity. The challenge is to have a perfectly transparent window still be able to function as an efficient solar panel. Well, to begin with, most conventional solar panels use silicon solar cell technology, which is not based on a transparent material. The transparent solar cells use a dye-sensitive technology, which has been the subject of research now for 20, well, at least 10 or 20 years, but is not quite ready for widespread use. However, researchers at the University of Michigan have recently published work on a new process to manufacture solar windows that can be large, over six feet in dimension if necessary, and efficient at producing electricity. At the eighth grade level, I try to do science so I understand it. The windows make use of a dye-sensitive cell, which is connected to lines of metal so small that they're basically invisible to the naked eye. The individual cells are fairly small, but the connection technology allows the construction of very large windows. They're still being kind of uh, worked on, and right now they only do about 7 or 8% of the sunlight coming in is converted to electricity. But researchers believe they can move that up to at least 10 or 11%, whereas most people don't realize even solar panels only really use about 15% of the sun, or let's say the light, that, that hits on them. However, according to the scientists working on it, the goal is not really necessarily to compete with just silicon solar panels. The real opportunity is to be able to generate electricity when rooftop solar is not practical or to produce additional electricity even when there is already a solar roof. And bear in mind the millions of square feet, even though they're less efficient, that you're automatically going to build with your glass in your house anyway. Why not collect 7% of that energy for use in your own home. 
And looking ahead, the goals of solar window development are to increase efficiency and to reduce cost to where installing the window is economically attractive and possibly as inexpensive as normal windows. Estimates are that the windows currently would cost at this moment about twice as much as a conventional window, but would pay for the difference in about the first four to six years of use, depending on you know, such things as where you are and what kind of sun exposure they get. But over four to six years, they pay for themselves. In essence, after that, you've got free windows that also produce electricity. Anyway, food for thought. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Organic Matters.